Welcome to the More Than 10 podcast, where we acknowledge the trauma healthcare workers and first responders experience every day and foster a safe place to discuss and process them. Hey everyone, it's Ashley again, your podcast host, L&D nurse, sister, friend, learner, all the things. The list goes on. And I am excited to bring part two of the Savelli Brothers interview back to your ears. So last interview, we really got to know kind of some of the depths of what it's like to be in the first responder field and grow up in that culture. And they touched on a lot of really good points. In this next half, we're going to dive a little deeper into the brothers and really get to know some key experiences that they've experienced that shaped them into who they are today and how they deal with trauma today. I look forward to hearing you guys, you know, listen to the brothers get a little vulnerable. um, And most importantly, take away the lessons that they've learned through their experiences. All right, so without further ado, we'll get into part two. And the other tough thing too is, is that there's not a there's not a straight line for everybody. Everybody's experience is going to be different. I always joke around that I was, you know, you know, borderline sociopath for a period of while because I bottled up, you know, you know, emotions for a long period of time until I had kids. And you know what the weird thing about kids is? It pops things out. It weird. So I was watching Moana. Moana, that's a Disney movie. And the grandma died. And I'm like, oh, what's the grandma? <laughs> I was like, well, like, I'm a grown man. Like, what? And like, and it will pop out in, in weird, in weird times for you. But you know, my experiences, you know, were different. I mean, the other, you know, the other tough thing was is that, you know, our, our dad died. I was 18, Sam was 12, 11. Uh, you know, something like that. And and I was I and I worked on my dad. And I gotta tell you, when your dad's your hero and he knows everything and you show up and you don't know it's him, and then you, you go wow. in there and it's your dad, it's it's it was hard. And, you know, and, and still to this day, and, and you want to talk about inappropriate humor, we we, we joke all around about that because when our mom got sick, Sam's like, I don't know, you're 0 for 1 on parents. I don't know if you really should be dealing with mom right now. And That's true. I had, I had to put mom down. You know, it was uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the cancer wasn't going well. And that's why I gave him a call. I said, uh, listen, man, we're going to put her down in about an hour or so. Uh, you want to come, come over here for this? Is, uh-uh, I'm not getting blamed for this one, too. Oh, <laughs> my God. But, you know, and it's, and it's funny, these joke, when people see, you know, me, my brother and my sister and stuff like that, we interact like this. Some people are horrified. I was going to say, um, how do people other, react other, to this? Other people, other people get it. Um, my, my first college roommate, when we had talked about my dad, you know, I was like, what does your dad do? I'm like, oh, he's in the underground. There's been a distance between us, you know, six or seven feet or so, you know, for the past couple of years. He's been giving me the cold shoulder. Work's really been, you know, uh, rotting him away for, for a long period of time. He was like, he's like, well, what did your dad do? I was like, oh, my dad's dead. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why did you kill him? I'm like, and people just like, for people that aren't used to it. And and afterwards, it's funny because we talk about humor being a good way to do with that. And, and my roommate, Chris, at the time, who I'm still good friends with, he actually joined the fire department. Um, He sits and watches it now because he likes that humor getting sprung on somebody else that's completely unsuspecting, but he feels part of the circle. And once you're part of the circle and that type of, you know, humor is allowed in, he sees that's how I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's able to talk about, uh, you know, things with me that he's seen because he's started his career in the fire service a little bit later. Um, so when he's when he's had tough things, he already knows that he's in part of a support system, as it were, in that because I was able to be open through the comedy to talking about things that affected me negatively that he feels the same way and at least is that creation of a conversation yeah wow so now let's go back to that moment that you mentioned because you kind of just dropped that on us here so you worked on your dad let's get real raw how other than humor how did you actually go through the emotions after that how did you end up 
being okay after that. I, I don't know that you're ever okay after that. So the, yeah. the, the, the tough thing was, is, I mean, I'll, I'll set it up. So it was two weeks after I had graduated from um, high school. I was at the firehouse. It was a Monday night and um, the fire chief had come out and said there was a report of somebody passed out at your grandmother's house, which is actually, I don't know, not even a mile away from the firehouse. Um, I wasn't riding ambulance yet, but I was certified EMT. So I was like, I'm going to go over there. Mm-hmm. So at that time, my dad had dropped off Megan and Sam at a movie theater. Um, Megan's my sister, okay. our sister. Um, and uh, I had come up to the house and my dad was parked in a weird way in the front yard um, at the property. And I was like, I was like, oh, dad must have heard the call, too. He must be here to go see because we had my Nana, which is his mother and uh, Uncle Bai, who is my grandfather's friend who had been dying for the past 20 years. Um, I don't really know what was wrong with him, but he was just always dying. Yeah. So we just it was a it was a hot summer. It was, you know, it was July. It was, you know, 90 something degrees out. And, you know, when I got to the front door, they'd said, oh, he's in the he's in the kitchen. So I went in the kitchen, but he's in the kitchen. I assumed it was Uncle Bai. And I got there. It was my father. And it was it was like a very surreal moment where one time I was like a thousand miles away in a very small kitchen. I was like, oh, crap. Um, And, you know, at that point, I was like, well, I needed to do something. So I did my best to, you know, start CPR and whatnot. The ambulance and whatnot was already coming. And and afterwards, um, after I got done, because uh, Auntie Sherry had actually gotten there and it like, you don't need to be doing this and pulled me out by the time the ambulance um, had started working on dad. And, you know, I had a hard time, you know, with that. Uh, my dad was my hero. Like it was, it was very uh, hard. And being 18, you're not really an adult. I mean, yes, you can vote and you can get cars and stuff like that. Um, and and my mother had shown up, and my my parents had recently divorced, and a lot of my anger, I'm going to say, was directed at her um, because I thought a lot of the other stress and whatnot that had kind of pushed that around. So I had a fairly contentious uh, relationship with her for I would say a couple months, at least a couple months after that. Um, but you know, it, again, when you're when your emotions are all over the place, that that's what it was. Um, and I buried myself in work. I was working at Cigna at the time. So I, I worked a lot. Um, and then I went off to college, which was, I think, harder for my brother and sister as well, because not only did they lose their dad, but, you know, I, I was all of a sudden not around for, for a period of time. And it probably mm-hmm. took me a good, I'd say it probably took me a good year to kind of get back on a good, back on a good path. Um, you know, I had kind of realized that I had, I wasn't doing as much. I got back involved with you know, uh, other activities, working more, um, sports, you know, transition to college is a hard one to overcome too. Definitely. Uh, and really by the time I had kind of gotten back around to it, it was, uh, um, you know, I, I was on a, I was on a better path about it, but you know, there's still, it's been 22 years. Yeah. 22 mm-hmm. years. This um, you know, I still think about it. I, I still have, you know, a hard time with it. I have a hard time with it now with my kids because, you know, I, I miss my dad and I wanted it, um, them to know him, but I, you look at the positive things. We tell positive stories about Nono. Uh, Sam does the same thing. They, you know, in living through those positive stories, looking back on those positive things, uh, we make a lot of jokes about those types of things, even with my kids. Um, and, and I think that's kind of how I, I, I dug my way out of it. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it never really leaves you. It's how you deal with it better. Um, and, and you get better coping mechanisms. Uh, the pain and the anger and all that stuff are not as sharp. Um, but I can't say that I was ever one to overly bottle up my emotions. Um, I would say Sam and I are both very type A personality people. No one would ever accuse us of being shy. Um, so, again, sometimes things will poke out weird with, again, odd humor or food or, you know, the other coping mechanisms we learned in our, you know, mafia style, uh, you know, uh, childhood where we didn't know any different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's powerful. And 
Um, first of all, I can't ever imagine being in your situation. I commend you a lot um, just for, you know, finding a way out of it. And sounds like you really worked on your habits and focused on yourself and found different purposes to help you through that, which I think a lot of people could learn from if they feel like something big happened, you know, don't let yourself get in a rut. Yeah. So to yeah. Say. And that's the thing is it's recognizing it. It was, it was funny because in college for a while, and that was the other thing is, as part of it was the the style change for me is, is I was always a very busy person. I did multiple sports. I did multiple activities. I worked and going to college, I, my freshman year, I was like, I'm just going to do college. And it was the first time I had all this time. And probably the other inappropriate way that I deal with it is my schedule is always packed. I, 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 will take I on listen, I can relate to you with that. <laughs> 16 other things. But if I, if I keep myself busy, I don't have time to get in myself in trouble. And that also bounds me. Cause it's like, you know, I could go out and I could go on an all night bender tonight, but it's like, but I can't, I have, you know, I, I coach my kids sports. I have work tomorrow. I have all these other responsibilities. So that kind of keeps me on a, uh, on a positive path. Mm -hmm. So sometimes holding yourself accountable, having friends or family that can hold you accountable or, or putting in, I'm going to say, you know, boundaries or guardrails to kind of keep yourself, you know, from going too far in any particular direction are, are always helpful. Do I have bad days, months, weeks, whatever? Everybody does. But, you know, bit, you know, beyond that, you, you work with what you can work with. And it's in, you know, these methodologies have helped me out through a number of other things. Our mom passed away from cancer 10 years ago, 10 years ago, something like that. 13, 13, 2010. Anyway, so, you know, there was, that was, and that was a, it was a different thing to deal with where, you know, our father was a sudden, you know, issue. Mom was taken care of, you know, long-term. And I will tell you right now, you being new is the worst patients you will ever have are people that are emergency services workers, police officers, nurses. Oh, yeah. They are the worst patients a hundred percent of the time, all the time. Um, I've already so seen dealing it. Mom, yeah, <laughs> dealing with mom, uh, you know, on a longer scale was was a different type of you know, way to deal with things. But, um, you know, the same came same coping skills, similar coping skills. But sometimes you adapt your you adapt your techniques to you know, fit the situation. Yeah, definitely. Sam, do you have anything to add? Not really. I mean, that was that was his nonsense to go through at that period of time. Um, and that's why a lot of more of the mom stuff was kind of my end of stuff for handling things. I mean, he dealt with more of the dad stuff. I mean, mom ended up living with him towards the end of things. I took her to a lot of her treatments and things and um, kind of handled a lot of her care stuff. And it's different. You know, people always ask, they say, you know, what would you rather? Would you rather have the all of a sudden dead parent or would you rather watch them? And honestly, they, they're, I mean, they're both pretty shitty to be honest, but um, I mean, the all of a sudden probably leaves you with a little bit more wondering, but the all of a sudden doesn't hurt so bad for so long. Yeah. You get to a point where you, when you're long-term taking care of somebody that, your your human physical self takes over even beyond your emotions where it's almost a you're wishing for an end because you need some type of resolution and then afterwards you feel horrible about that it's you know what the end's going to be it's the person's sick they have a they have a date or you know whatever's going to be terminal and then you think about it and go you know you want that person out of pain you want to be able to sleep again i mean the last i'd say the last three days she was alive i didn't sleep for three days it just didn't happen because of what was happening at the time it was just a lot of dynamics and you know, after the fact, once I got rest, I'm like, well, I feel pretty terrible about, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, I wanted it to end, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's a selfish thing, but it's one of those kind of necessary things. It's, uh, there's not really a good way to deal with any of it. You, you talk to the people that have gone through similar things like that and you can kind of get through the humor of it. And it's one of those things that as long as, 
you know, he goes touching back on what Dan said, talking about how the people aren't here anymore, but you continue to talk about them. They always say that you're never really done for as long as you got a good story and someone to tell it to. And mm-hmm. I think that that carries a lot of that, a lot of that weight. Um, but the other thing, which I guess kind of goes back to what I was talking about comedy and everything else is, is Sam and I and Megan, we've all circled the wagon, right? I mean, right. at this point, we've lost our parents. We, you know, Sam's six years younger than me, which, you know, when we were sharing a room when I was growing up was the usual fights of like, hey, my girlfriend's over. He goes, that's my room too. And it, you know, those, you know, <laughs> onward fights, but we've, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're closer than anybody else could possibly be. I mean, you know, my siblings, and it's interesting because like my wife and her siblings don't have that same dynamic. So sometimes she's like, like, why do you talk to your siblings all the time? Or why do they come over all the time? Like you, you saw them just like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, and, and, but that kind of goes back to, we're able to share that humor. We're able to share that trauma. We understand each other. So it's an okay place that if we need to bring up discussions about stuff that we're struggling with, it's, it's okay. They understand. They're not going to be looking at you weird. Like, God, you're a terrible monster. Like you should be locked away. Um, and, and, and again, sometimes with similar trauma, they're able to provide, uh, a good good visual about um you know this is what you're doing this is ways that you can handle it and sometimes yeah i don't know and sam and i are very similar so it's like generally we have similar problems unless you know one notices something that the other hasn't it's kind of like cool you want to go out to dinner because that's that's all i got in the uh, that's all i got in the bucket like <laughs> i, I found a really cool place that's got some sandwiches like and sandwiches fix true. most things so <laughs> i think you guys are funny because you could definitely tell dan you're the older sibling and sam you're the younger sibling <laughs> Um, but reading between the lines of your humor I also think it's very powerful that in that scenario um that Sam that you actually recognized Dan you went through a lot with dad let me take one for the team with mom um as however you said it you kind of did you kind of said it with your humor but it's one of those things we better acknowledge Megan she's gonna be mad at both of us you know (laughs) that's true (laughs) okay well it's one of those things he's a typical middle child so that's you know you got to ask each other what's going on with each other, too. I mean, it's it's one of those recognizing things. I mean, initially, yeah, I mean, really, I gave him a phone call as a courtesy, basically, like, hey, do you want to be part of this? Knowing damn well he didn't want to. And, I mean, who the hell wants to be part of that? Nobody wants to do that. But at yeah. the same time, you don't let your mom die alone. So it's, it's no. I'll hang out here. I'll deal with this one. You dealt with the last one. I was at the movies last time. You know, I was out having a good time while you were, you know, letting dad <laughs> die, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll put mom down this time. But, yeah. again, it's it's that weird humor that – outside of it people be like what the hell's wrong with you like you really need to talk to somebody i'm like i don't know we're still laughing so i think we're fine yeah. most, most people are generally entertained even though there might be borderline horrified um you yeah, know no. usually when we get together and start talking about just about anything yeah, we draw a crowd hey i'm feeling it a little right now a little bit of both <laughs> <laughs> but i actually i enjoy it and i think you guys bring a good um perspective to it and one that a lot of people could probably relate to um and again being being new to the field like I've definitely been in situations where people made jokes. I'm like, how how did you just say that? How did you just say that? But then the more and more you get into the field, the more you kind of realize, you know, people are using it as a way to bring up the conversation. And um, that's the most important thing to recognize it, to have someone to hold you accountable for it, however you want to do it. Um, And I really think that's the message you guys are sending out with this. And thank you for that. And keep it away from the public. They don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you. So um, is there anything else you guys would like to add as far as, you know, healthy tools um, that people can use to process all these things, especially any advice for newcomers coming in? 
Continuing education is another thing we didn't really talk about here. And it sounds weird because, I mean, you have CEUs, I'm sure, as a nurse that you have to maintain and maintain yes. your licensure. And, and we have to do the same. But sometimes targeting that to something that reinvigorates you a little bit. The, the tough thing is, is a lot of the burnout is um, everything gets rubbed raw. If you have the same problem all the time, it's no different like a callus. It becomes a, it becomes a problem in that same area. And I've always found that sometimes that going out and doing training or, or, or dealing with uh, other departments or other agencies sometimes can reinvigorate you to, to see what other people's problems are and how they deal with them. There, there's plenty of continuing education out there that has to do with social emotional learning and how to deal with some of these things. But even if it's just other ways to you know, handle calls in your profession, that continuing education brings you another support group because these people will be students, whether it's a, you know, a weekend situation or you're going for an advanced degree, uh, gives you another group of people to pull from uh, and expands out your uh, support base. And, you know, and, and some of these people could be, you know, lifelong friends. And then some of these ideas kind of get your brain working in different areas and gets you out of the um, the repetition. I mean, that's the problem is, is when you're in the hamster maze, you're in the hamster maze. You can come out for a breath of fresh air. Sometimes that recharges your battery. The other thing is just take care of yourself. And this is something I've been bad at. I was going to say, Sam will tell you that he, him and my wife have been yelling at is, is, is taking taking the time for yourself and then not, you know, whether it's a mani pedi or going to Mexico or, you know, on a you know tropical beach, um, you know, take those breaks, um, mm -hmm. especially people in commercial EMS and, and I'm sure nursing as well. It's well, there's 76 hours this week. The overtime is really nice. But at some point, the money's not worth it. If you can't spend it with your mind in a good head place, um, you need to take those breaks, whether it's, uh, you know, doing a, a comedy thing, whether it's doing training, whether it's just doing nothing. There's nothing wrong with just doing nothing. You vegging out in front of the TV for a bit. Those are all things that you need to be cognizant when you're you're getting too tensed up or you're getting raw in an area that you need to step back and take the time off. Um, use your time off. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think going back to him talking about the education stuff, I think a lot of people get stagnant and they feel stuck. So on top of the trauma that they're feeling, they have to perpetuate it by going back to the same job that was causing that feeling to begin with because they feel trapped. Because if you go from uh, working at a inner city, you know, an inner city ambulance service making $26 an hour as a fresh out of high school kid, that's phenomenal money. But then you want to go back and work at, you know, Target, Walmart, whatever, for $16, $17 an hour. But since you've been working at this job for so long, you already you have a way of living. And most people that I know in EMS, fire, everywhere else all have horrible spending habits, myself included. I'm working on that. But <laughs> I would say that, you know, managing money is something that's really not taught well. And when you have a little bit of money in front of you, you just buy what you can buy and then you credit what you can credit until you can't credit anymore. And then you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week to maintain your, your credit card minimum payments. So you're stuck. There's nothing you can really do. And then you can't save to go and do those trips. You can't save to go and do activities. I think it's important to do things with people that have nothing to do with what you do. And I think that's important too. You got to have your friends that, you know, that you can talk to that have gone through the same things that you're going through so they can understand it. But you need someone that's total opposite. You do like a lot of people I know that do, uh, do EMS, they do music. They, they're in bands or like the guy he was talking about was on his anger runs. He's a fly fisherman and he teaches that stuff on the weekends, but he also ties flies. And to look at how particular that is, how focused you have to be and how almost psychotic it looks, because, you know, three o'clock in the morning, he's got all these sharp objects spread out on a table with bird feathers and, you know, twine or whatever, whatever the hell he uses, <laughs> you know, that's what keeps him calm. But that's something that can shut your brain off to the trauma that you have or anything you're just day to day that's running you down. It's kind of nice to, to have something like that. You just you have to go out there and try. You can't stay home by yourself. You can't do it on your own. 
you're not going to laugh it off. It's like it's never going to get any better unless it's addressed at least. Yeah. And I, it sounds like you guys are saying, you know, have outlets and mm-hmm. be intentional with the time that you have off and the money that you're making so that you can afford your outlets and you can right. atten- intentionally put that towards a good energy to kind of help you turn your mind off and have different purposes. And I think continuing education um, to your point and, you know, taking those days off are all great ways to do that for sure. And I personally, that's what I do. I mean, I, people know me, I keep myself busy. I probably have like five different outlets at the same time, but I enjoy that. And that's what makes me feel balanced. And it gives you perspective and it almost makes you feel like you're not in a rabbit hole and you're not in this like ditch that you can't see the sunlight type of feeling. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think that's really great points. Um, anything else before we kind of close out our interview? All right. All right. Then I'm going to leave you guys with one question that I always ask, um, for each of you, what is one old or new way you're going to give yourself more than 10 seconds to deal with something stressful? I'm spending more time with the kids. I coach, I coach my kids, uh, you know, sports stuff. I spend time with them. Um, and I, we had our first softball practice last night. My wife said when I got home and, you know, I'm a little more out of shape than I probably should be, but you know, you know, the winter was rough, but, um, you know, the running around was good. And my wife said she noticeably you know, saw me was just happier when I got home. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's not my day-to-day job. It has nothing to do with, you know, fire EMS. Um, you know, I have a good group of girls that I'm, I'm just, you know, running around playing ball with that's um, awesome. and, and, and those types of things, taking that kind of time. Again, it's another thing, but it was, I, I've always found it to be a good outlet for, uh, you know, for me. Definitely. Awesome. Sam? Yeah, I'd say just going to make the time to do things in general. I think that this new job's afforded me an opportunity and a better schedule to be able to do those things. Um, you know, before this, I was before this job, I was doing construction. So I had all winter off basically between, you know, November to April. But then from April to November, it's you're pretty much selling your soul to, you know, road work. So that's tough. Yeah. Um, this year is going to be a little bit different, you know, with a one-year-old, she's finally at a point where, you know, she can actually kind of know what's going on. So I can bring her places that'll excite her for things. So we're excited to kind of bring her out and do fun stuff, go to the beach with her and things. And, you know, it's just, it's nice to be able to have the free time to be able to do that. That's, that's what I would recommend for anybody else is find a job that can fit your lifestyle. I know yeah. that's easier said than done, you know, because you got to make your money to, to pay what you got to pay for, but if maybe things are too expensive, figure out a way to cut back so you can have more you time, more family time. And that's that's what I think is most important. Because at the end of the day, your job's not going to be sitting at your bedside when, you know, when the clock's ticking down. It's it's going to be your family. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. That's awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to hear your perspective. And I just feel like you guys offer coming from your family and just what you guys have gone through and grew up with. I think it's just such a unique perspective that I'm glad everyone could hear. And I think that you offer some great advice and some great insight into, you know, the harsh realities of what happens when you don't take care of yourself and you don't take more than 10 seconds to process things. So thank you for being here. And it was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. All right, friends, it is that time where I must love and leave you. Do yourself a favor today and find a way to give yourself more than 10. If you like this podcast and would like to leave a comment on the Podbean app, that would mean so much. Even more so, a share on any social media platform or to a friend would be much appreciated. As always, thanks for listening. I look forward to seeing you back on the next episode.